you are here. You're actually jumping in in kind of the tail end of a series that we're finishing up. So what I want to do this morning is I want to give us a brief overview of what we've talked about and then dive in real quickly to a passage uh, that is of particular importance to me as a pastor because of the role that God's called me to. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open up to 1 Peter chapter 5. We are into the last chapter of 1 Peter. And for those who have not been with us, let me tell you a little bit about what 1 Peter is. It's a letter that the Apostle Peter wrote to a bunch of churches that were scattered throughout Asia Minor, what we now call Turkey. And these guys were starting to endure persecution because they followed Jesus. Now, this wasn't yet the official Roman persecution that would happen under the Roman uh, guys like Nero and uh, Domitian and those guys. This was more the, the kind of civil stuff, the like being ostracized by your family because you follow Jesus now and won't join in what they do. Things like uh, not losing business because you won't participate in the sacrifices and the ceremonies of the culture. So they're starting to realize, and what Peter has highlighted for us through this whole letter, is that if you follow Jesus, even if you're like me and you're in your own hometown, you are living as an exile on earth. Because your citizenship is no longer as an American. Your citizenship is actually in heaven with Jesus as your king, and you have the privilege of being an ambassador and an exile here on the earth. So throughout the book, he's been doing several things. One, he's been pointing us to the fact that this is not going to last forever. We talked about that last week at length, about the fact that time is short. One day Jesus will return, and one day, if he doesn't come back before we do, all of us are going to pass away. We're all going to die, and so for us, time is short. That also has been focusing us forward to the hope that we have, that one day when Jesus comes back or when Jesus comes for us individually through death, We're going to stand before him and receive a reward and an inheritance that he's been keeping and preparing for this entire time. So following Jesus may be really hard right now, but there's an end in sight and there's a reward past the end. So as we've looked then through the rest of the letter, Peter has been talking about what that looks like in our relationship to other people. We've seen that we're supposed to be really good citizens, that we're to submit to the governing authorities that are over us, that we're supposed to love each other well within marriage, that we're supposed to work hard and do good things so that that way, when we have to take difficult stands because we look at life differently from the outside, people can't argue with what they see because they've seen Jesus living through us in everything we do. So that's been where we've been at, look at life as exiles over the past few months. We've got two messages left in this, and we'll have a break for a week, and then we'll dive in on September 11th to our next series. But as we're going through this this morning, we're shifting from the general church at large to looking at God's specific commands through 1 Peter here for guys like me. Guys who serve the church as pastors or elders or bishops. Now, we can use all three of those terms interchangeably because that's how the Bible uses them. Um, A pastor and an elder and a bishop, some churches uh, look at that as different roles or different offices, but the reality is the way Scripture talks about it, the three are interchangeable. A bishop has the idea of an overseer. So that talks about the the part of the role that that is kind of overseeing administration and programs and those kind of things and, and doing what I can to oversee the growth of God's church here at Christiansburg Baptist. By the way, this is not my church. It's the church I have the privilege of leading as pastor, but it's not my church. As a a bishop, I have the privilege of overseeing the work of what God's doing through here. 
Then you also see the term elder that's used. The term elder carries with it the idea of maturity. And so as, a, as the leader that God's called me to be here in this role at the church as an elder, that means that I'm supposed to be a spiritual example and a spiritual leader over the congregation. Then you see that as well, that I'm also to be a pastor. Now, the word pastor is the one that we most often use in Baptist churches, but actually is the least common word for this office in the New Testament. Most of the time, it's actually elder. But in our church, we only have one elder. We only have one bishop. We only have one pastor, and that's me. There are other men, by the way, who are here this morning who have served in that role or who are serving that role in other congregations, but uh, I'm it for our church. So cool, we can just close this up and y'all can leave, right? Well, now, as we look at a shepherd's role, I want to look at it from several, for, for several reasons. Um, as you're looking at what God says to pastors, to those who are called to shepherd over his flock, uh, there may be at least four reasons why you should do this. First off, so you can know. We actually have a number of guests with us here this morning. And so as you're looking for a church, we would love for this to be your church home if this is where God wants you. But if this isn't where God wants you, what you need to do is as you're looking for a church, you need to evaluate the pastor who you see or the elders at that church by what you see God says here as the the role that they're supposed to fill and the character that they're supposed to have. So the first thing is for you to be able to know what is it that a pastor is supposed to be and to do. All right, number two, it's so that you can pray so you can pray. Guys, y'all don't have any idea how badly I need your prayers, okay? Uh, And not just me, but the other pastors, you know, we live in a town that we've got a lot of great godly men who serve in the role of pastor around town. We need your prayers, unlike any time that I've been alive. Um, the, The pandemic has taken its toll on pastors in a major, major way. Uh, Under 40, I think the statistic I saw was that 60% of pastors in the last year uh, under 40 have considered leaving the ministry. So the pastors you know need your prayer. And as you're praying, this is a great way to pray. Pray that God would allow us to lead the church in the way that he's designed it, he's desires. Again, uh, third one kind of close to know is so you can evaluate. So you can evaluate. You need to, like I said, know what a pastor is supposed to do and to be so that that way you can know whether or not I'm doing what I need to do or whether another pastor that you follow or watch on TV or hear on a podcast or whatever, you need to evaluate their ministry based off of standards like what we see here in 1 Peter chapter 5, okay? Then as well, so you can obey. Now, that is not so you can obey me. See, this is what I told you to do. Now, although there is part of that in Scripture, we talk about some of that. No, the reality is anything that God calls pastors to, every believer ought to do, but it's especially true of those that God's called to serve in this role, okay? This is also, by the way, a tremendous model for anybody who serves in any kind of leadership role, which, by the way, if you have a pulse, you're leading in some kind of way. All right, you're leading at home, you're leading at work, you're leading in your family. You can lead by showing care and concern for a waiter or a waitress. You can, you can lead in all kinds of different ways. As an exile who's representing Christ to a world that doesn't know him, you are a leader in some sense. So as you look at the model that God gives us for how pastors are to lead the church, it's also a model for how you're supposed to lead your soccer team, how you're supposed to lead your job, how you're supposed to lead your family, all those kind of things. By the way, if you want some great books on Christian leadership, um, I have a, a slew of them since that's what I'm working on in school right now, okay? I can point you some great ones. Um, 
Yeah. All right. We're going to do that another time. All right. So again, we've talked about it. Uh, he's going to use the term elder. And like I said, that's one of the several terms that's used. It, and that refers to that kind of idea of the spiritual maturity that should characterize men in the ministry. All right. So with all of that background, let's go ahead and dive into 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. Peter says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, this is where we get the idea of pastoring. Pastoring is the idea of shepherd. In fact, if you're from the deep south and a, a pastor, at some point you've probably been called pasture. Uh, that's that's kind of how it comes out, all right? Pasture? Um, it is. It's just what it is, all right? So it's because the idea of pastoring and pasturing share, share common etymology, right? Etymology, not entomology. They're not bugs. They share common etymology and history and background because it's the idea of shepherding, uh, of leading, uh, of taking a flock and feeding it. So what you see is the role that God has called for those who are called to lead the church is that he's calling those who are uniquely called to shepherd God's people, to feed, to care for, to protect the flock of God. Now, again, y'all are not my church. You're Jesus's church. But I have the privilege of serving under the chief shepherd and helping shepherd his church to be what it is supposed to be. Now, Peter is uniquely qualified to be able to talk about this because if you recall, when we went back through John last year, you remember there was that time when Peter denied Jesus right before Jesus died and then afterwards Jesus restored Peter back to a right place? You remember what he told him? He said, feed my sheep feed my lambs. You remember that? So Peter was familiar after watching Jesus, who's the good shepherd. He was familiar with this idea of shepherding. And Peter had been the elder over the church at Jerusalem for a season. He's likely in Rome as he's writing this. He, by the way, he did not found the church at Rome, just as a side note. Uh, There are church traditions that teach that. It's not true, Um, but we can talk about that another day. So John MacArthur summed up the idea of, of shepherding this way. He said this, the shepherd's task is not to tell people only what they want to hear, but to edify and strengthen them with the deep truths of solid spiritual food. No matter what New Testament terminology identifies the shepherd in his task, underneath it all is the primacy of biblical truth. He is to feed the sheep. That's, by the way, why I talk up here for about 40 minutes most Sundays is because one of the primary ways that God has called me to exercise this role of shepherding the flock is by opening his word with you together and looking at what God has to say to his church and his people. Now, it's not the only way, but that's one of the main things. As a pastor, this is an incredibly weighty command. There's one hinted at there in Hebrews chapter 13. Here's what he says. Now, he's writing to church members as well as leaders. He says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. So they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Now, pause. I'm not focusing today on the obey your leaders part. I'm getting to that middle part there. They keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. You see, those who take the pastor, elder, 
bishop title, will stand before God and give an account for the way that I have shepherded his church. That's a weighty, weighty command. That ought to sober me up. That's why for years um, I had an upset stomach every morning before I got into the pulpit. Because I'm getting ready to stand up and say, this is God's word to his people. And I will have to stand before God one day and give an account for that. That's a big, big deal. That's why, by the way, we need your prayer. My job is to look out for the spiritual condition of the church that God has put me over because I'll be called to give an account. And so will every pastor, elder, and bishop who stands up to lead a church. So this is the what. He's telling us that we are to shepherd God's flock among us. Now, in in doing that, that's the what I'm called to do. Here's what's interesting. At no point does Peter say, by leading this, preaching this way, doing this thing, visiting X number of people, doing that, doing this. Why? He, He never focuses on the what as much as he does on the who. Because, see, the reason for that is, in Peter's day, you couldn't go visit people in the hospital because there wasn't a hospital. Peter never had to edit a video to get it online to be able to to talk about what's going on when we're locked down in a pandemic. You see, if Peter had given us a list of all the things that a pastor was supposed to do on a daily basis in Asia, in in Asia Minor, in the first century, it would look dramatically different than it looks for a guy pastoring in 2022 here in Christiansburg, Virginia, or uh, our friends that are pastoring in Zimbabwe in 2022. All of these contexts change from place to place what it looks like to pastor. However, the, the command is that we are to shepherd the flock of God, whatever that looks like in whatever way. So instead of being concerned about the details and the specifics of the day-in and day-out role of a pastor, he gives us a set of contrasts about ways that we're to go about leading and ways that we're not to go about leading. So as we dive into that, he gives us three different contrasts we want to look at. The first that we see is, as we're looking at shepherding the flock of God among us, pastors who are called are called to do this willingly, not out of duty. Willingly, not out of duty. Now, Peter says here, go back in verse 2, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly. There should be in a pastor's heart a desire to be able to share the word of God and to shepherd his people. It can't come out of a compulsion. Now, in those days, it's not like the government was compelling people to be bishops and things like that, like you see at some point in church history. No, the idea here is when you allow ministry to get to the point where it's a job and not a calling. Now, I believe, by the way, that God's called everybody to the work that they're doing. I don't believe that I'm somehow some super spiritual giant because I have a a job of a pastor and you're just a janitor or you're just a teacher. You're just, there's no divide there. You are called to honor God where you serve, just like I'm called to honor God where I serve. But part of me honoring God where I serve is to be able to maintain that willingness and enthusiasm to do it. Can I be honest with you that ministry is incredibly difficult? I'm not going to join with others who have said that it's the hardest job in the world. I think that, for one, that's just stupid to compare. Uh, There's no, you know, there's factors. But ministry is really, really hard. And I will say that the last couple of years with the pandemic, it's got extra hard, like it has for everybody. I mean, come on. Everybody's had a hard time the last few years. 
But there are some unique things about ministry that make it tough. Um, Sunday comes every week, and there's always a sermon to write. Somebody's always sick. And guys, this is not me complaining. This is just trying to let you remember. Um, I, I remember when my extended family that's not as uh, regular in church as, as we are asked one time because I was in a, a secondary role as an associate pastor somewhere, and they're like, wait, that's like a full-time thing? Like you actually get like paid to do that? There's an idea that, that pastors only work on Sundays. Um, some folks have that concept, but the reality is there's always someone who's hurting and who needs an encouragement. There's, there's more ministry to do than you ever could. There are more decisions to make than, than you'll ever be able to make. Uh, motives are often misunderstood. People don't always get along. You invest in somebody and they turn their back on the Lord and, and it feels like, why am I even doing this? There's days where it gets really tough. If it reaches the point where you can no longer shepherd willingly, then it's time to get out. Out of a love for the Lord and his church, that's something you always have to be aware of, okay? If a pastor isn't careful, all this weight can burn him out, and he'll get to the point where he's simply going through the motions. That's what Peter's warning us against. Now, it's extremely dangerous for a pastor to get to that point. Why? Well, think about it if it's a shepherd. If a shepherd is burnt out and exhausted, then he might not catch the fact that that one sheep is losing weight because it's sick and it's not eating. He might not even notice that that one wandered off for a while. He, he may not have paid attention to that rustling that's in the bushes because he's too tired to even think about the fact that there's a wolf that's ready to attack the flock. You see, if, if a physical shepherd, a physical sheep, loses that willingness and starts doing it out of compulsion, he may very well miss what's going on. And in the same kind of way, if Upsur shifts to the point where he's simply preaching out of duty, out of compulsion, if he's not able to lead the flock, then he's not going to notice the sick sheep, the ones who are falling away, the ones who are wandering, and, and he may not even want to change it. You see, a pastor is called to shepherd willingly. If he's not fulfilling that duty well, he's going to have to answer for that. Not only that, he's going to put the entire church in a dangerous place because he's not leading the way that he's called to lead. So how do you fight that? As a pastor, when, when seasons get tough, how do you fight it? Well, there in verse 2, you see this phrase, as God would have you. Remember last week we talked about if anyone serves to serve according to the strength that God's given them? It's that same kind of situation. When ministry gets tough, a pastor, elder, bishop needs to go back to a clear sense that God called them to this. That this is what God set them aside, and as God has led, this is what they're supposed to do. It's unfortunately, I think it's Nietzsche who said that you can endure, like I don't like the, the source of the quote, but I like the quote itself. It says you can endure any how as long as you've got a strong enough why. And in the tough days, think about the context here. These are pastors who are watching both, they're the, the prime target for the persecution, and they're having to minister to a church family that is facing loss of business, loss of life in a matter of years, loss of freedom, and they're leading that. And when the weight comes in for that kind of thing, you need to pray for God to give the pastors who serve over you and over the congregations you know of strength to look back and say, this is according to the call of God. God on my life, because it needs to be willingly and not out of duty. That doesn't mean that every day in ministry is going to be puppies and rainbows, but it does mean that you're to willingly serve the Lord. 
actively engaged in shepherding his people. Now, there's more to it as you keep going. You, you see that pastors are also to lead, not just willingly, but also to give, not to get. To give, not to get. Go back to verse, uh, verse 2 there. Out of compulsion, uh, not out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly. Listen, if you are getting into ministry for the money, find something else, Okay? The church has been incredibly great to us over the years to, to pay us as well as they can, and it's, it's wonderful. I'm so grateful for the way our church is, is, but man, there are easier ways to make money, okay? Let's just be honest. However, I will say sometimes it's out of greed, not necessarily so much for money as it is for notoriety. Now, it's starting to change, but you see, uh, at least in church circles, you know, I'm a pastor, Right? By the way, that's one of the reasons why I encourage everybody, you, you can just call me Sean. Because I'm, I'm Sean who has the privilege of being a pastor in this day, in this role, in this time. But I'm not some super spiritual giant. In some circles, pastors get elevated to a certain status. And so some guys will continue serving in ministry, not because they love the Lord, but because they love getting called pastor. They love being needed. They love everybody calling and saying, Pastor, I just don't know what to do, and giving them a brief word and praying a big prayer over them. And, and folks genuinely leave feeling comforted. But unfortunately, if the pastor's not careful, it becomes, I'm so good at what I do. By the way, what's it say? All of us humble ourselves because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. See, if I got up here in the pulpit this morning and said, I'm going to preach down the stars. This is going to be the best message in the history of the world. And let's say that it was. And you came up afterwards and you told me so. You said, Sean, that was the best message I have ever heard in my life. You know what? And if I sit there and say, you're exactly right. It sure was the best message ever. You're lucky to have me as a preacher, right? If I came out of that attitude and did it for my glory, God may work and use it, but it's not because of me. You could go to work tomorrow and you could shovel mulch all day long, but you do it for the glory of God and the strength and power he provides, and you could glorify him more shoveling mulch than me standing up here preaching for my benefit and my glory. You see, it's not about getting, whether that's money, whether that's notoriety, whether that's that feeling of being needed, whatever it is that, that compels guys to be able to serve in the ministry for the unjust reasons, it's not about that. Same thing true for you about if you want that promotion at work or to lead that team or to lead that thing. The model that we have is to give, not to get. It's not about greed. By the way, I've heard some people that say that uh, it's God's job to keep the pastor humble and it's our job to keep him poor. Um, don't be like that, all right? By the way, you, you know that you can be greedy without having a lot of money, right? You can be greedy and poor, and it's just you didn't have the opportunity to have the money. You can also be wealthy and generous. It goes both ways because it's about the matter of the heart. You see, pastors are called to, to shepherd willingly, to give, not to get. And then we'll keep going quickly. Um, going to skip a couple of verses, Jamie. The last part we see here is that a pastor is called to shepherd as a servant, not a king. As a servant, not a king. 
not out of greed for money at the end of verse 2, but eagerly not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. You know what one of the scariest verses in the New Testament is for me? 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul's talking to the church at Corinth, a church he had poured his life into, a church that was really messed up, but he had poured his life into. And he said, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Every pastor, elder, bishop has to stand before his church and say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. How healthy would the marriages in this room be if they were modeled after my marriage? How fervent would everybody's prayer life be if it's after my prayer life? Now, you guys are... You're responsible to God for how you grow in in your own personal walk with Christ. But I'm responsible to him for how I model that. I'm responsible for setting the pace. As one person said one time, we're we're to be spiritual thermostats, not thermometers, right? You take your temperature with a thermometer, right? It just tells you what the temperature is. You set the temperature with a thermostat. Through my life, God is supposed to set the temperature spiritually for his church. Now, that means I cannot lord over you my role. If I'm demanding, I had somebody tell me one time that their pastor used to eat first at all of the meals. Absolutely not. There's a principle that even the army understands that leaders eat last, right? You see, God's called me to be a servant, not a king. If you're ever around a pastor who is a little big in his britches, then you need to know that there's an area of sanctification for him. That's, again, like I said, why I, I'm fine with you calling me Sean and not Pastor Sean. Now, if you, I understand if out of respect, if you have to, that's, that's totally fine. I'm not going to get offended. But I'm just Sean. I'm a guy that God had, for some reason, has set aside to be able to preach sometimes, to lead this church. There could be a day where God changes that. I'd still be Sean. I have the privilege of pastoring. But I'm, I'm not a king. I'm a servant. And why? Guys, when you look at whatever it is, whether it's your job, your home, wherever you're a leader, wherever you have influence, you're to serve there. That's the biblical model of leadership throughout. And not like Robert Greenleaf's servant leadership. This is a sacrificial leadership that's modeled off of Jesus. You see, that's why he immediately finishes saying that and says, and when the chief shepherd appears. You see, I'm not the chief. Jesus is. And think about the way that Jesus modeled every single one of these for us. This is how Jesus led his disciples. This is how Jesus went to the cross. As the king of the universe, the king of kings and lord of lords, the one who created everything, sustains everything, and now is seated enthroned above everything, during his earthly ministry, he served willingly, not out of duty. He rejoiced in doing what the Father called him to do. He did it to give salvation to us, not to get adoration, because he said the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came as a servant, even though he is the king. We see that clearly, by the way, in John chapter 10. A thief comes that only to steal and kill and destroy. By the way, we usually think of that as the devil. It's actually talking about false teachers in the context. Pastors and preachers who stand up and do it for themselves instead of doing it for the glory of God. 
He said, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Then he goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He also says in that chapter, no one takes it from me. I lay it down willingly. You see, Jesus is the good shepherd. If you look to me as your example, I'll do what I can and follow me as I imitate Christ. But it's Christ that's the ultimate example. He willingly loved us so much that not only would he come to earth and walk around for 30 some odd years, he would take my sin upon himself and die in my place on the cross and be buried and raised so that I could have new life. Instead of taking the honor and the glory that he rightfully deserved, that was his because who he is as God in the flesh, he rightfully deserved everything we could give and yet he came to give us salvation and to give his life us. He became the suffering servant that Isaiah 53 speaks of, the one who would take all of our iniquity and through the beatings that he received through his stripe, we are healed spiritually as he took our sin and died in our place. So when you look at the life of a pastor, when you have a friend who goes to a different church, or if you know any pastors, elders, This is what God's called us to be. Now, we can debate about how many times should you do this, how often should you go there, what should you do, all the details. But the biblical standard for a pastor is that he shepherds the flock of God among you. He feeds, he leads, he protects. And as he does that, however that looks, it's willingly, not out of duty, to give, not to get, as a servant, not a king just like Jesus. Okay? Bow your heads with me and close your eyes this morning. I know that that's been probably kind of like drinking from a a fire hydrant today, but I hope that you see that there is a king who loves you, a king who served you, a king who died in your place and rose from the dead so that you could have new life. If you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to that king, I would encourage you, take just a moment there where you're seated and say, God, I don't know what all this means. I don't know what it's going to take, but I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Forgive me for doing what I wanted to do instead of what you wanted me to do. And I'm going to turn to following you. If you need to make that decision today, you you can do that right where you're seated or you can come down and talk to me in, in just a minute about what that means. If, however, you have surrendered to Christ, let me ask you, um, Are you leading this kind of way? In your home, in your organization, in your team, in your class, in whatever you're doing. Are you leading willingly, recognizing that God's called you to to work, to serve, to lead where you are? Are you leading to give, just like Jesus has given to you? Are you leading as a servant, following the model that Jesus gave you to honor him? That's a shepherd's role. Maybe that there's somebody here that God's working on and calling to a ministry role. In that stage, you need to stop and and ask God to make you this person before he ever gives you that title. To cultivate that sense of call in you. To draw you to himself. If not, ask 
If you're not leading that way, then take some time to make that right with God. And if, if you are, why don't you pray for me? Pray for Pastor Matthew over at Good Shepherd now. Matthew Bartlett, that's over there. Or Michael, sorry. Pray for the folks at Harbor of Hope, folks at Good Shepherd, Blue Ridge, Grace Life, Brett over at Valley Bible Church, Brian Waters at Providence Presbyterian. Pray for the lay elder teams that are at BCF, the pastors and elders at North Star. Pray that God would work in each of these churches for his name and his glory. Pray that God would raise up more shepherds, men who would serve, lead his church in the way that he leads. You take time to do business with God, just a minute there. I'm down front if you need to talk to me. If not, you just respond as God leads. And I'll close this in prayer in a moment. Father, I thank you that Jesus is a better shepherd than I'll ever be. I thank you for his goodness. I thank you for his willingness to die for us. The way he gave. The fact that he humbled himself to becoming a servant for us. As we live as exiles, we want to honor him as our king in the way that we lead whatever capacity, whatever area that is, we ask that you would help us to do so willingly in view of your call to give, not just to make a paycheck or to have notoriety or or whatever it may be. And Father, help us to lead as servants, not as kings. Thank you for being our king. Thank you for Randy and Trista and Heather giving that public demonstration to the fact that they're aligning themselves with you. Help us to honor you together as we move forward. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.